0: the Limitless Leadership Podcast. Well hello everybody and welcome or welcome back to the Limitless Leadership Podcast. My name is Tim Alford. I'm part of the team at Limitless and I am your host for this Podcast. Believe it or not, this is the final Limitless Leadership podcast of 2022. The year has flown by, hasn't it? And I don't know about you, but more and more often in ministry, I find myself praying Jehoshaphat's prayer. Lord, I don't know what to do, (laughs) but my eyes are on you. And I find myself constantly asking God, for wisdom as I lead. Do you do that in your uh, youth ministry? I, I, I know I do. And so what we thought we would do as the final episode of 2022 is do something a little bit different. And that is, I would love to share with you my keynote talk from Limitless Leaders right back at the start of the year where I spoke about the six pillars of wisdom. The idea is that wisdom, though we know it's so important, indispensable for us uh, leading youth ministries, it's so intangible, isn't it? So what are the mechanisms by which we can actually grow in wisdom and lead with wisdom? That's what this episode is all about. Now, speaking of limitless leaders, there's still time to get booked in for next year, Limitless Leaders 2023, from the 24th to the 26th of January at the Hayes Conference Center. We've got some wonderful contributors coming to joy- join us, including Ali Martin from Soul Survivor, Zeke Grink and Suze Aldridge from DTI, uh, Andrew Bunt from Living Out, Shell Paris from Imagine Ministries, Jonathan Beecham, who you heard on the podcast last month, from HTB Youth and Esther Swafield from International Justice Mission. And we're going to be talking about some really, really relevant and timely issues in youth and children's ministry right now. We're going to be talking about working with children and young people with additional needs. We're going to be talking about schools work. We're going to be talking about building disciple making youth ministries. We're going to be talking about how to lead a ministry time, how to Uh, uh, lead young people and, and, and pastor young people through the years of puberty. We're going to be talking about sexuality and gender identity, global justice, team building, gaming and a whole load more it's a great way to get equipped and fired up for the start of the year so i want to extend that invitation to you Uh, you can still get booked in limitlesselimcouk forward slash leaders we'll put a link to that in the show notes it's three days of practical equipping spirit-filled ministry and like-minded community i would love it if you could join us there with that in mind Let's have a listen to this, my uh, keynote talk from Limitless Leaders last year on the six pillars of wisdom. Really hope this helps you and invests something in your life and leadership today. Enjoy. All right, so listen, I've got some really big news to kick off our time together, okay? Special announcement, big news uh, for us all as we start Limitless Leaders, and it's this men are dumber than women according to science. Big news to kick off our, according to this particular headline in Metro. Now the science of which they refer, (laughs) to which they refer here, is an examination of the Darwin Awards. I'm sure some of you are familiar uh, with the Darwin Awards, which celebrate the most Foolish ways that people have come to an untimely demise. And this particular review of the Darwin Awards discovered that 90% of the winners of the Darwin Awards are, in fact, males. (laughs) By way of example, uh, consider Eric Barcia, who decided to (laughs) construct his own bungee jump by tying bungee cords together. Uh, Having carefully uh, constructed his bungee, Eric tied his bungee cords to a 70-foot bridge, confident in the knowledge that he had carefully measured out the bungee's total length, only to discover that he had forgotten to consider the fact that bungee cords stretch. Or consider the frugal gentleman who decided to save money uh, by using the gunpowder from a grenade to construct his own homemade fireworks. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, this sounds like a great idea. Next November 5th, I could do that. Uh, If you do, however, might I advise that you avoid the fatal mistake made by this particular gentleman who concluded that the best way to access the gunpowder from within the grenade was by opening it with a chainsaw, okay, one more, one, one more, we could do one more, finally, the cla- in a classic case of idiotic male bravado, uh, the high-flying law- lawyer, Gary Hoy, just, he just loved to brag to all of his mates about how uh, the windows in his high-story uh, skyscraper office were bulletproof and unbreakable, And one day he decided to demonstrate this to a particular friend by running into one full force, only to discover that his unbreakable windows were in fact breakable okay so, we, so hence we can conclude that men are dumber than women according to science okay which is perhaps why i'm not best placed to introduce our theme for the year at limitless leaders which is leading with wisdom leading with wisdom and how much do we need wisdom in these days the world is changing so rapidly, isn't it that, it, that it sometimes feels impossible to keep up. The pandemic only served to expedite these cultural shifts, having unpicked many of the things that we came to rely upon in youth and children's ministry. We know that centuries of biblical orthodoxy is under intense scrutiny to such a degree that it is now considered implausible in the minds of many in this generation technologies are rapidly advancing and yet seemingly failing to provide the answers that we hoped they might and in amongst all of this god calls you and i to lead friends if there was ever a time we needed wisdom surely this is it And so you and I, we might well feel a sense of resonance with Solomon who said, how much better it is to get wisdom than gold, to get insight rather than silver. We know we need wisdom. We can all easily agree on that. We can all easily align on that one together so desperately. We need wisdom as we lead in these days. But there's a problem. And the problem is, I'm sure you'll agree, that wisdom's just so intangible, right? So elusive. It's something that we kind of grasp for but don't know how to take hold of. Something that we, we know that we need but don't necessarily know the steps we need to take in order to develop it. And so my hope with this opening session this afternoon is to take something that is intangible and land it in something that's Concrete, to take something that's illusory and give uh, you and I some handles by which we might take hold of it in our lives and our leadership. And to that end, I would like to introduce you this afternoon to the six pillars of wisdom. The six pillars of wisdom. And these uh, six pillars are mechanisms by which you and I can cultivate wisdom in our lives. They each flow into and interlock with the other. But when taken together, I really believe will enable you and I to lead with wisdom and this is just so important this afternoon because as Solomon said getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do and whatever else you do it's like Solomon is imploring us he's beseeching us whatever else you do if you only do this one thing get wisdom develop good judgment so why don't we pray that our time together in these three days helps us to do just that come on let's pray together Heavenly Father, I kind of feel, and I know my my friends will resonate with me, that over these last two years, I've prayed Jehoshaphat's prayer more than I've ever prayed it before. Lord, I do not know what to do, but my eyes are on you. And Lord, that is our prayer as we gather together. and And we ask that the fruit of our time would be that you would show us what to do. That you would help us to develop wisdom in our hearts and our minds. That that we would have a clear ear to the leading of your Spirit. That we, enabling us to keep in step with the Spirit, to follow after you when it seems sometimes like we're leading in a fog. Lord God, would you help us, I pray, to develop wisdom in the name of Jesus. Oh Amen. Oh man. Okay, so here we go. The six pillars of wisdom. Now, if you've got a pen and a pad or a, a, an iPad and an Apple pencil or something, it's really going to help you in this session because what I would love for you to do is to draw something somewhere somehow that looks a little bit like this. Six pillars, uh, pillars with enough space for you to fill something in on with, uh, with the pillars holding up wisdom across the top. If you could draw something like that on your pad or whatever you've got access to, that will help you as we go through and this is this is how this session is going to work this afternoon we're going to take each of these six pillars just one at a time and we'll see how each of them is rooted in scripture it's not something that I've just manufactured or made up it's there in the bible and then what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a practice for each pillar A practice for each pillar, by which I mean something tangible, something actionable that you can take away and build into your life to, I believe, help you become a leader with wisdom. That's where we're going. And first up, our first pillar of wisdom is, you probably guessed it, the fear of God. The fear of God. Proverbs 9.10 tells us this, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Now, uh, you probably guessed that this was where I was going to start because you already know that the Bible tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But did you ever think about why? Why isn't knowledge the beginning of wisdom, for example? Why isn't study the beginning of wisdom? Why does wisdom begin with the fear of the Lord. Well, I think that perhaps the best way we can understand this is to uh, perhaps approach it from a different perspective or to consider it from the flip side. You see, the antithesis of the fear of God is the fear of man. And when we say fear of God or fear of man, essentially what we're talking about is who we are living to please or whose opinion matters to us the most. That's why the Apostle Paul wrote these words, Am I now trying to win the the approval of human beings, or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. In other words, we cannot live with both the fear of God and The fear of man. It's an either or situation. Either we care more about God's opinion of us or that of the people around us, but not both. So, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, then, because often the things that the Lord would have us do look like the height of foolishness to the people around us. Consider how the scripture makes a distinct contrast between God's wisdom on one hand and man's wisdom on the other. This is what we speak. Not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. Listen to this. The person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the, that comes from the spirit of God, but does what? considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit the person with the spirit makes judgments about all things but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments for who has known the mind of the lord as so to instruct him but we but we you and i we have the mind of christ And then again in the following chapter, do not deceive yourselves. If any of you thinks you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. And so you see, because of this distinction that exists between God's wisdom and man's, if our fear of God outweighs our fear, uh, or sorry, if our fear of man, I should say, outweighs our fear of God, then we cannot lead with wisdom because we will not do the things that are wise in God's sight. By way of example, consider for a moment the famous story of Simon Peter stepping out of the boat to walk on the water toward Jesus. You know the story, uh, you've almost undoubtedly taught it at some point to your children, uh, to your young people. Now think about this story in the cold light of day because in the cold light of day attempting to walk on water is absolutely the height of foolishness but Peter's actions can be considered great wisdom not great foolishness. Why? Because he acted in response to Jesus' instruction. As Peter stood on the edge of the boat, Jesus said, you'll remember in the passage, Jesus said, come. And in that moment, something that would have otherwise been foolish became the wisest thing he could have done. And crucially, in that moment, Peter's fear of God outweighed his fear of anything else, including his fear of what his other mates in the boat would have thought about his apparently foolish actions. And so this, and I really want you to take this away, this is why wisdom is not the same thing as caution. In fact, sometimes the riskiest course of action is actually the wisest course of action because the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. So you see, doing risky things based on good ideas, well that's not great wisdom, that's great foolishness. But doing risky things based on God's ideas, that's not great foolishness, that's great wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom then, because it means you care more about what God thinks of your decisions than what people think of them. And so therefore, your steps are determined by the often counterintuitive call of God, which is always the path of wisdom. So... If the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, then how do we cultivate the fear of God in our lives? How do we, like Peter, ensure that we care more, uh, that we're concerned more about what God thinks of our decisions than what the people around us think of them? Is there a practice that can help us here? Well, I think think that there is, and I want to set you a challenge with this first practice to cultivate the fear of God in your life. And it is simply this give more time to scripture than to social media and, and, and I mean this quite literally give more time to scripture than to social media and you may be thinking what well, Tim what does this have to do with cultivating the fear of God in my life well it's this as both scripture and indeed neuroscience would agree we become what we contemplate And the things that we give our attention to begin to shape our neural pathways and form how we think. Meaning that if we give 20 minutes a day to scripture and two hours a day to social media, then our thinking, our patterns of thinking are being more shaped by the wisdom of this world than by the counterintuitive truth of God's word. And so this is a challenge that you can see tangibly. You can even use your screen time function uh, uh, in your settings to to measure it if you want to. But but the reason I want you to do this is because I want you to consider the question as you look at it. What is my thinking being shaped by? What are my aspirations being shaped by? What are my dreams and my hopes being shaped by? What is my worldview being shaped by? Whichever mechanism you choose to make this happen. I, I want us to be leaders who have more time In the word of God, cultivating the fear of God so that pleasing God becomes our life's aspiration rather than simply seeking man's affirmation. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's our first pillar and you can write it into your diagram uh, that you've drawn there, uh, points for the prettiest diagram at the end of, at the, end of the session. Okay, uh, the second pillar, pillar number two, uh, which very much flows out of the first is intimacy with God. Intimacy with God. Now, here's a good working definition of wisdom for you. Wisdom is seeing life from God's perspective and responding accordingly. Wisdom is seeing life from God's perspective and responding Accordingly. However, here's the trick the only way that we can see things from God's perspective is by sitting at His feet and listening to His voice. And I want to say to us this afternoon there, and please hear this, there is simply no shortcut to godly wisdom that bypasses time in His presence. Because when we do bypass time in his presence, dangerous things begin to happen in our leadership and in our ministries. What begins to happen? First, this. We start making plans for God without actually listening to God. And, And second, we carry on doing what we've always done just because we've always done it. Now, by way of example, consider two contrasting stories of biblical leadership. First up, let's have a little look at Moses, Exodus 17, if you want to open there in your Bibles. I will put it up on screen also. Now, Moses, as we join the story, he's already led the people of Israel out of slavery. And this moment, as we jump in at Exodus chapter 17, uh, he's in the wilderness with the people of Israel. And they're starting to moan. Because they're thirsty. Oh, it was never like this in Egypt, Moses. Can we please go back to Egypt? And so so Moses, he, he says to God, what am I to do with this people? They're almost ready to stone me. And the Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock, remember that strike the rock, and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. So what's happening in the story is this. Moses, like you, like me, has a leadership challenge that requires wisdom, right? So what does he do? He asks God about it, the Lord answers, Moses obeys, and the problem is solved. Gold leadership star, Moses. However, Fast forward a little now to Numbers chapter 20 and once again the people of Israel are in the wilderness complaining because they have nothing to drink. I know what you're thinking. You thought you dealt with that challenge in your children's ministry. You thought you dealt with that challenge in your youth ministry and it just kept repeating itself and repeating itself and repeating itself because for thousands of years people have been people, right? And so here's Moses and he thought he'd solved the problem but the same thing, exactly the same leadership challenge affronts him again. So what does Moses do? Well, he takes out his staff and he strikes the rock. However, in spite of the fact that that was what had worked before, indeed, in spite of the fact that that was what the Lord had led him to do before, it wasn't what the Lord had asked him to do this time. In fact, the Lord had commanded Moses to speak to the rock. But Moses just found himself leading on autopilot. Relying on the things that had worked from, from him before. Relying on the past anointing. Relying on the word of God that he got last time and he just repeated it. And it was actually because of that misstep, that very thing, that Moses did not get to lead the people of Israel into the promised land. It was because of that. Because you did not trust me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. And so you see, when we don't have intimacy with God, we cease to lead with wisdom and start leading on autopilot. Doing what we've always done, just because we've always done it, just because it worked last time, just because even God said it last time. That's Moses. In contrast to this now, consider the leadership of David. Now, we join join David's story as he has recently been anointed king over Israel. Um, but not yet on the throne. He's recently been anointed king, and the Philistines, well, they hear about it, and so they set off to hunt him down. David has a leadership challenge that requires wisdom. So what does he do? Well, he does the same thing as Moses, 1 Chronicles 14. Let's have a look and find out. Now, the Philistines had come and raided the valley of Rephraim, so David inquired of God, just like Moses. Shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hands? The Lord answered him, go, I will deliver them into your hands. And just like Moses, David has a leadership challenge that requires wisdom. And just like Moses, David asks the Lord, the Lord speaks, the Lord answers. David obeys, and the problem is solved. Gold, leadership star, David. But then, just like Moses, and just like you in your youth and children's ministry... David faces a repeat challenge, the same thing again. But unlike Moses, this is where the stories diverge, David didn't just automatically rely on what God had done before. Instead, David goes back to God to listen to him again. 1 Chronicles 14. Once more, the Philistines raided the valley. So here it is. David inquired of God again. Uh, my, well, I'll tell you what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you to shout that bit out because I want you to remember it. I don't want to miss it. So it, the bit in the blue, please. Nice and loud for me. Once more, the Philistines raided the valley. So David, in quiet of God, again, again is the crucial word. And God answered him, do not go directly after them, but circle around and attack them in front of the poplar trees. So David doesn't just do what he'd done before. He he doesn't do what he's done before just because it worked last time, just because God was in that space last time. He doesn't make plans for God without listening to God. David continually seeks the face of God and obeys, and he's able to lead with wisdom. Why? Because he has taken the time to listen to God and respond accordingly. And so we see, if wisdom is seeing life from God's perspective and responding accordingly, then there is simply no means by which we can lead with wisdom without a deepening intimacy with God. And this is why James writes, if any of you lacks wisdom, what should you do? You should ask God. God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Because friends, wisdom flows out of the place of prayer. Wisdom flows out of sitting at his feet and listening to his, his voice. Wisdom flows from intimacy with God. So, With this in mind then, what's the practice? Is there a practice that can help us here, help us to deepen our relationships with God and open ourselves up to his leading in our lives? Yes, there is. It's very simple, yet it's utterly transformative. I know it's something that many of you will already practice, but I would love it if all of us could leave limitless leaders with this one particularly as a non-negotiable practice in our lives, and it's simply this. Start every day with Jesus. Start every day. And, and by the way, I really mean start. I mean, before you pick up that phone and check those notifications and reply to that WhatsApp and, uh, you know, scroll through Instagram, before you take your shower or have your breakfast, give the very first moment of your day, every single day, to sitting at the feet of your father and listening to his voice. You know, I really believe this in my gut how we spend the first moment of our day will impact how we experience every moment of our day. So start every day with Jesus, enjoying his presence, surrendering our lives, listening to his voice, because wisdom comes from intimacy with God, from intimacy with God. Okay. Good job. Two down, four to go, but fear not, those two were the longest ones, uh, so we're speeding up uh, from this point. Okay, pillar number three. Pillar number three, then this is an equally critical one. Pillar number three is this, humility. Humility. Proverbs 11 verse 2 says, when arrogance comes, disgrace follows, but with humility comes wisdom. With humility comes wisdom. Why, why is this true? Why is it true that pride and wisdom cannot coexist? Well, this is because pride shuts down the possibility for learning. We believe that we know it all. But humble leaders, in contrast, will learn and grow at a rate that the proud have no hope of doing. Why? Because humble leaders listen. Humble leaders will will listen to and learn from people regardless of their, their status or their stature or their age, meaning that for the humble leader, every interaction and conversation becomes a potential growth opportunity. And so therefore we see that humility is like a fertilizer for wisdom, just causing it to flourish and grow exponentially in our lives. And you know, I found That one of the best ways we can test for humility or pride in our hearts is by how we respond to a challenge. Or maybe I should say a criticism. Proverbs 15. If you pay attention when you are corrected, you are wise. If you refuse to learn, you are hurting yourself. But if you accept correction, you will become wiser. Proverbs 19.20. Listen to advice. And accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. And you see, the proud, we cannot accept a challenge. And so therefore, pride creates a ceiling beyond which wisdom can never develop. But humility just smashes through that ceiling and opens us up to endless possibilities for learning and growth. And this is why Solomon says, with humility comes wisdom. It's like, a, like, like an equation. It's, wisdom is an inevitable outcome of humility, of cultivating a humble spirit in our lives. And so, with that truth in mind, what's the practice here? Uh, What are the actionable steps that you and I can take to humble ourselves and allow the fruit of humility and with it wisdom to flourish in our lives? Well, this is a tricky one, but I'm going to set you a challenge anyway. I want to set you a challenge to respond with a question, not an answer or a defence. By which I mean this, when you are challenged, When you are questioned or when you are criticised, rather than reacting reflexively and going on the defence... Or giving an explanation as to why you do it that way and how, yes, you've considered that and you've already thought it through. Or why you've considered that and no that wouldn't work. Instead of doing that, instead of doing that thing which kind of automatically rises up in us and we want to explain and we want to defend ourselves. Instead of doing that, train yourself to respond to that criticism or to that uh, challenge with a question. Could you tell me a little more? Could you explain that a little bit further? Could, could you give me an example of a time when I did that? How did you feel in that moment? If it was different, how do you imagine it would look? Do you have a suggestion for how, could, how that could be different next time? And, and this doesn't mean that you have to act on every time you're challenged or questioned or criticized. In fact, that would likely be an evidence of a lack of wisdom. But we would do well to authentically listen to reflect humbly and honestly on the challenge we've been given and to act on the implications when we recognise the truth in those words, even if those words have been delivered in an unhelpful manner. And so we want to train ourselves to respond Humbly, with open hands rather than closed fists, we train ourselves to respond with a question rather than an answer or a defense, because with humility comes wisdom. OK Well, then everyone, you've made it to halfway. Why don't you uh, turn to the person next to you and just tell them, "You're looking very wise today. You can see that in your eyes? How are we all doing with that belly full of pasta and chocolate cake? feeling attentive and alive for three more pillars of wisdom I can tell. All right. I shouldn't have done that because now I'm never going to get you to stop talking. All right. Pillar number four. Here we go. Now, here's a challenge. This is where you're going to start cringing and shuffling in your seat and going, oh, I'm not sure about this one, Tim. Because pillar number four, if we want to be leaders with wisdom, pillar number four is margin. Hello there, busy leader. Margin. If you want to be wise, you must have margin. Why? Because you cannot microwave wisdom. The proverb says, plan carefully and you will have plenty. If you act too quickly, you will never have enough. You see, wisdom cannot be cooked up in a hurry. It doesn't come to us in an instant. We cannot schedule it into a 30-minute window on our Google calendar. We don't order it on Amazon Prime. We don't develop it by following inspirational quotes on Twitter and then repeating them. That's not wisdom. Because you see, wisdom is a deep well. It it is mined from deep places. It is cultivated through the slow, spacious work of reflection. See, I found that when we lead in a hurry, this is what happens when we lead in a hurry. We We end up leading from imitation rather than revelation. By which I mean we look at what that other leader is doing or what that other church that we admire is doing. We think that seems to work for them and we become copycat leaders. And we just imitate the things that we see around us, the things that seem to be working. That's what we do when we lead in a hurry. But when, when we can slow, when we can create margin, we end up leading from revelation. We're attuned to the voice of God. We hear what it is that the Father is asking us to do and we respond accordingly. And, and so please Heed this warning then today. A hurried leader is a shallow leader. Because wisdom is not an automatic byproduct of experience. To paraphrase Andy Stanley, experience doesn't make you better, evaluated experience does. You see, it's in the slow unhurried and seemingly unproductive discipline of quiet reflection, that wisdom begins to take root in your life. You know when I was writing this talk ahead of Limitless Leaders, I took some time out of my office to uh, go and listen to God, you'll be glad to know, (laughs) asking him for, for insight, what do you want to say Lord? And what I did is I went out for a walk and I walked up a hill that is just behind my home. And as I got to the top of that hill, I could see the house that I was working in earlier, but from a much different perspective. And it struck me that this is the opportunity that Margin presents to you that ceaseless busyness never will, and that is the chance to lift up your head and view your circumstances and challenges from a different perspective. But you see, there was another stark contrast that I noticed when I was walking up that hill. When I was sitting in my office, all I could see was the thing that was directly in front of me my laptop screen and the wall, like a foot in front of my face. But then as I walked up that hill, I could see for miles into the distance. And again, this is the opportunity margin creates. Because when you have no margin, the only thing you can see is the thing that's directly in front of you. The next item on your to-do list, the next appointment on your Google calendar, the next session that you've got to plan for in your youth or children's ministry. But margin presents us the opportunity to see further into the distance and to come away from the minutiae of the day-to-day, week-to-week kind of relentless activity of youth and children's ministry and to think and to dream and to pray and to plan ahead. But then there was a third time on Thursday our team we were praying and fasting head of Limitless Leaders, and I'd scheduled a little bit of margin into my calendar to take some time to go walk up that hill and pray. But this time, it was different. Because you see, what happened this time, I thought, oh, thank you, Lord, for the illustration. I'm really grateful. Um, I went to the top of that hill, and in the valley, there was just a fog, a mist, But as I went up the hill, I came up above it and came in just to the clarity of the blue skies and the sunlight. And I thought, yes, this is it. This is what margin does because when we're always in a hurry, it can feel like we're leading in a fog. You ever feel that? I know I do. It's just next thing, next thing. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. But when we pause, when we take that space, when we create some margin in our schedules, we come out of the fog and we see with clarity. Rory Vaden says this, I love it, urgency is how soon something matters, importance is how much something matters, significance is how long something matters. And you see, what margin will do for you is create the opportunity to distinguish between what is urgent and important, what is urgent and significant, and then to adjust your course accordingly to give the first and the best of your time to the latter. So, busyness will always lead us to do what's most urgent according to our schedule or perhaps what's most visible according to our ambition. But with margin, we give our time to what's most fruitful according to our calling. So then, what's the practice here? What's the practice to enable us to create margin in our lives, enabling us to view things from a different perspective, to take the long view, to see with clarity, and to lead with wisdom? Well, I want to encourage you to embrace this practice in your life and leadership. Block out one day a month in your calendar for prayer and reflection. Block it out in your calendar and protect it. You know, this has been my practice for many years now and I, I cannot overemphasize how important this this practice has been for me personally in my life and leadership, doing just that thing, enabling me just to come away for a few moments from the fog of the relentless next thing, next thing, next thing, and listen to the Spirit of God and find some clarity. You know, my years in leading, whatever they've been, I know these two things to be true. Number one, you cannot develop wisdom in a hurry. And number two, margin will not happen unless you make it happen. Margin is not coming for you, you have to go for it. And so if you want to lead with wisdom, I really want to encourage you to embrace this practice and plan and prioritize and protect the margin that you need to develop it. Okay, two more and then we're going to have a little bit of discussion time. Pillar number five is community, the fifth pillar of wisdom, Proverbs 13:20. Become wise By walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. How do we become wise? We walk with the wise. Because wisdom is not a solo sport. (laughs) And this is why the church is a body of many parts, isn't it? This is why building a team around us in our children's and youth ministries is just so important. Because no matter how much I personally develop in the other five pillars, you know I'm always going to have blind spots. And there are always going to be things that I cannot and will not see. But by having wise leaders around me, I bring into my life perspectives and and wisdom that others can offer that I never will. Craig Rochelle says it like this. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. The people you're hanging out with today are shaping the person you will become tomorrow. And how often have you seen this truth play out among the children and young people that you lead? How often have you sent that young person off to, to university at 18 years old and you know it is the people that they come into contact with in the early days that will be the defining factor in the future of their faith? See, the truth is that we will ultimately reflect those with whom we surround ourselves. So, if you want to grow in wisdom, surround yourself with wise people. What's the practice here then? The actionable step? Well, I guess it's something kind of obvious with this one. Uh, But I want to encourage you to build this practice into your life. Ask a mentor to meet with you once a month. Ask a mentor to meet with you once a month. Again, this is a practice for me, and I ask somebody uh, whose leadership I very much admire, who is older and wiser than me, somebody who was like gifted in similar ways to me, but just much further along that journey, and I ask to meet with him once a once, sometimes on Zoom, sometimes in person, and I come with my questions, and I say, I've got this leadership challenge going on. How do you see that, and what would you do there, and 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 how would you engage in this problem, and, and, and I've got this question, and have you ever experienced that before, and I just drink of his knowledge and experience and wisdom it's so helpful to me and by the way can I just say to you don't wait for someone to ask you don't be passive with this go find someone there's a leader somewhere around you you admire and now we all know how to use zoom so they don't even have to be close to you right (laughs) So just think, who is that person who inspires you, maybe has similar gifts to you, but they're just a little further along that journey? Go hunt them down. The worst thing that can happen is they say, oh, I'd love to, but I just don't have enough margin <laughs> right now. Um, but you can find someone, and this will be a practice that I'm sure will help you to develop wisdom, because wisdom's not developed in isolation, is it? So if you want to lead with wisdom, surround yourself with wise people. And finally, we're coming across the finish line. Well done. The final pillar of wisdom is knowledge. Knowledge. The heart of the discerning acquires knowledge. Acquires knowledge for the ears of the wise seek it out. So wisdom and knowledge are not the same thing. But according to Solomon, the wise acquire Knowledge. So maybe think of it this way. You've probably heard the saying that wisdom is, that knowledge is knowing a tomato is a fruit, but wisdom is knowing not to put it into a fruit salad, right? But the thing is, neither of them matter if you don't know what a tomato is. And so therefore, uh, we can have knowledge without wisdom, but we can't have wisdom without knowledge. Some people just clock in that like a few minutes. Uh, Oh yeah, no, I get that now. Yeah, tomato. Uh, So Spurgeon, he said it like this. Wisdom is the right use of knowledge. Wisdom is the right use of knowledge. To know is not to be wise. Many men know a great deal and yet are all the greater fools for it. There is no fool so great as a knowing fool. But to know how to use knowledge is to have wisdom. According to Spurgeon then, wisdom is the right use of knowledge. Wisdom is knowledge properly applied and thus knowledge is a prerequisite for wisdom so what are we doing to educate ourselves what are we doing to acquire knowledge what's the practice here well my original thought for this practice was like put a book in your toilet and leave your phone out but then I realized it depends on how long you spend on the toilet so I didn't go for that instead I've gone for this as a practice for this one read for 20 minutes a day Read for 20 minutes a day. Uh, This is an actionable and easily achievable practice for you because you easily spend 20 minutes on your phone that would be way better spent in a book, acquiring knowledge. And studies have shown that, that reading is the easiest way to continue the learning process, actually to boost creativity and even to increase empathy, I love what Ryan Holiday says. He says this whatever problem you're struggling with, whatever leadership challenge you're facing, is probably addressed in some book somewhere written by someone a lot smarter than you. <laughs> He's right, isn't he? So, if you want to grow in wisdom, acquire knowledge. These then are the six pillars of wisdom the fear of god is where it begins intimacy with god humility margin community and knowledge they are i hope practical ways by which you can take hold of this intangible thing called wisdom and cause it to grow and develop in Your life. I believe that these six pillars and practices, properly applied, will enable you to lead with wisdom. I want to pause here just before we wrap up this session for a few moments of discussion because what we don't want to happen with limitless leaders is that we come uh, with a whole load of knowledge but little application. And so what I want you to do is grab maybe one, perhaps two of the folks around you and have a conversation about those practices in particular. Was there one there that really stood out for you that you think, yes, that's something I want to immediately apply into my life following Limitless Leaders? Have that conversation with the person around you. I think verbalising some of these things makes it a reality and creates some accountability. So of those six practices, which one do you think would be most helpful for you to build into your life and leadership right now? We'll give you maybe six minutes of conversation around that. Off you go. Okay, let's wrap those uh, let's wrap those conversations up, shall we? I hope you've chosen something to apply. Um, so, uh, uh, an illustration just comes to me which I may regret sharing, and you must never pass on to my son that I told you this. Um, but it's... I was going to say it seems appropriate, but it's arguable whether this is appropriate or not. So in his... Young, not anymore, but in his younger days, my son went through a stage, right, where, <laughs> where he needed to be wiping his own butt, right? You know, any parents here, you go through that stage, it's time for your parents to stop wiping your butt, right? And it's time for you to wipe your own butt. Uh, But he just didn't want that to happen. And he would always like call on me or his mum to come and wipe his butt. And we refused to wipe his butt. What has this story got to do with wisdom? You're wondering. It's this. We all want to be leaders with wisdom. But a good father will not do for you what you can and should do for yourself. It was a good illustration, wasn't it? (laughs) It worked in the end. I'm so relieved. Please don't tell my son. So if we want to lead with wisdom, take some of these actionable steps. Yes, God will add to you the thing that you cannot do by his supernatural power, but only when we are faithful and we do the things that we can and we should do for yourselves. You know, there was once a time where a prominent leader was asked a question by the Lord that we would all love to hear asked to us. Ask me for whatever you want me to give you. How did this leader answer? He said, give me wisdom wisdom. And knowledge that I may lead this people and you and I we find ourselves don't we in a cultural moment where those of us in Christian ministry require deep wisdom to lead well so my prayer then is that we would build these six pillars and the practices that come along with them into our lives that we too might have the wisdom and the knowledge to lead what do we pray together Father, our prayer just now is that of Solomon. Would you give us wisdom and knowledge that we may lead? Our children's ministries, our youth ministries, churches, Lord, whatever our context is, give us wisdom and knowledge that we may lead i pray uh, that you'd give us the courage and the discipline and tenacity tenacity to build the practices into our lives that will create fertile soil for wisdom and i pray that as we do that you would add to us the thing which we cannot manufacture supernatural wisdom lord god help us to lead with wisdom that we might bring glory and honor to your name in our towns and cities and churches and communities in these days we pray Amen. Amen. All right. Well, Naomi, thank you. Well, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. I hope and and pray that that has been helpful to you, that it will help you to uh, lead with wisdom in 2023. Hey, come join us at Limitless Leaders, 24th to 26th of January at the Hayes Conference Centre in Derbyshire, at limitlesselim.co.uk forward slash leaders, remember, is, is where you can get your tickets. And, and don't forget, all of your food and all of your accommodation is all covered within the price of your ticket. So you don't have to sort any of that out. Uh, come kick the year off with three days of like-minded community, of spirit-filled ministry, of practical equipping. It will be an invaluable investment in your youth ministry in 2023. Thank you, thank you for being with us. Thank you for everything that you've done through the course of 2022 to pour out your life into the lives of young people. What a precious and valuable thing it is that you do. Don't give up in 2023, come on, keep going, keep going, because what are you gonna give your life to that's more important than passing on the gospel to the next generation. I cannot think of a single thing. So well done, good and faithful servant. Keep going and we'll see you next time on the Limitless Leadership Podcast.